Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. and welcome to a new episode of Cloudgate Sports Podcast. We got a jam-packed one for today. Uh, a lot of uh, news coming out with the Bears season ending, having their uh, postseason presser. Uh, the White Sox signing one of the best, if not the best, uh, closing pitcher in the game. We talk about the rotation, uh, who's going to sit where. Uh, the Cubs... Got some news coming from there. Got some teams interested in some players. And we, we're going to try and get a feel on who truly is untouchable for the Cubs. Uh, the Hawks lose their first two games of the season. Uh, kind of going to talk about some of the young guys, what to think for the next week or so when we start playing some easier competition and more uh, level-headed competition other than playing the most likely number one offense in the league. <coughs> NBA news with James Harden going to Brooklyn. We're going to break that down, talk about the latest Bulls games, what's coming up. And, of course, at the end, we're going to break down college football and college basketball again. So, boys, how are we feeling? Not good. Not good at all. Um, we're recording this at 1.30 on Saturday, and Illinois has just lost again. I'm considering going home uh, because Illinois has not lost uh, or has not won since I've been up at school, so uh, I think I'm going to head back home and see if that can change up the magic. But it's not looking good. Uh, bear season's over, so it's kind of getting it's starting to slow down. It's starting to slow down. Yeah, it's starting to slow down, but in certain aspects, it's starting to uh, pick up a little bit too. So I mean, our teams aren't looking the absolute best, but it's going to be a fun episode. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Definitely. So let's get right into it. PT, you can take the lead with this one. We got the Bears. Uh, Losing to the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, so you guys kind of already recapped it. Um, you guys kind of did a little short pod after the game um, and kind of said your piece. I really haven't kind of shared my piece yet. Um, now the season's officially over. Um, I guess we go to um, what are we going now? Uh, I'll touch on that here in a little bit. Um, but uh, the game, you, like I said, you guys already touched on it, but um, the game was just not what we expected. Um I don't know if you guys watched it, but I watched it on Nickelodeon. So I did kind of, too. Very fire. Very good. That was that was kind of interesting. The only thing um, I couldn't handle, especially after we're getting our base our ass kicked, was just them kind of like making kid jokes and like it, it was just like yeah, okay, right. yeah, you're right. During the yeah. like during the game, it was cool, and then when I started getting pissed off, it's like all right, yep. I'm going back to CBS. Yep, exactly. So. But then you got fucking Jim Nance too. This guy's a this dude. I mean, he was he's awful. I, I do not like Jim Nance. He's I don't not either. Good. It's just, he's so biased, and he's just like it's just so ridiculous. And it's hard to listen to there too. Um, 
but there's just so many, just so many. It's it's kind of getting scary because when we start to look to look at this team and what break down what we need to fill in, um, we have a lot of holes to fill. Um, starting at the most impi- uh, most important position in football, which is our quarterback, um, in the presser, end of the season presser, the Chicago Bears did. They admitted that they quote unquote fucked up on the uh, on the quarterback um, this um, decision and everything around that. Um, so that's probably kind of hinting that they're parting ways with Mitch, and we will no longer see Mitch in a Bears uniform. Um, and then also, it's kind of getting scary too. I, I, I'm kind of almost 100% sure that Allen Robinson will not return to Chicago either. Um, so that's just kind of another scary aspect. Um, hopefully, Darnell Mooney can kind of get healthy um, and be back, and he could honestly be our number one wide receiver. And I really like that. Um, and you know, I just. I, I mean, our defense has really big questions too. And I and my first thing saying too is like Chuck Pagano, he he had to be gone because there was just too many every game. We we're like, why? What were these coverages? What was the scheme? It wasn't aggressive enough. Um, and he is reti- quote unquote retiring. Um, probably parting ways is quote unquote saying he's retiring. Um, so yeah, I I think there, we need to kind of sit back and see how free agency starts to play out. Um, and just kind of see where we go from here and then go on to the draft. And and then also, they released our 20, 21 um, opponents, and that is... Uh, a little scary. It's scary, too, because we have some pretty tough teams coming up next year. So um, that's all I really have for now, my kind of short and quick recap for the Bears. Um, I'm sure you guys have some stuff to touch on, too, so go ahead and fire away, and we can kind of talk a little bit more about it. How are the Bears looking money wise for the off season? Not good. No, no, not good. Because they, because they won't. I mean, the re, the the huge issue too is they won't be able to resign Allen Robinson. They don't have enough money. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks around it. Um, especially if you do look at the the postseason presser with McCaskey, Phillips, and uh, Matt and uh, Ryan Pace. There, there are some rumors that, like, we're not – they say them staying had nothing to do with COVID issues, which I don't believe that for a second. If you listen to Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000, I mean, they were talking about we were going to have to look at potentially shipping out Kyle Fuller or Keem Hicks, some pivotal pieces that we won't be able to sign back in the future. Yep. I think Hicks only has one year left on his deal. He's probably going to be a huge he, – he'll be able to bring in a haul. So. Right. You know, I don't hate the idea of trying to rebuild and ship out some of these players, but it's the man who's manning the helm that scares me. I don't want Ryan Pace making those decisions. Definitely. Uh, it's nice with the NFL, too, because it seems that rebuilds usually turn around a little bit quicker than we see in uh, baseball, especially. Uh, so I am not against that at all. But, Pat, good point with Ryan Pace. I don't know if I want Pace running the uh, rebuild scheme like the White Sox had Rick Heim, the Cubs had Theo Epstein. Like, those are guys that we can trust. Ryan Pace, uh, the trust isn't there, uh, especially after this uh, postseason uh, uh, little presser. It, it was not good. It was not good. So, I know, PT, you got quite a bit to say about that, so you want to lead us into it. Yeah, 100%. So, obviously, um, there wasn't a lot of positive coming out of this, um, especially if you're, like, on Twitter and following, kind of. Uh, people weren't happy um, and very, like, it's, it's very understandable. Um, 
We'll start off. There's there's so many different things here. Um, we'll start off kind of how like odd uh, McCaskey's opening statement was, um, and it almost kind of seemed like it was just like it was just was totally made up and it was fake and it was just it was, it was just so bad. It was just it's just thing was hard to watch, um, and it's just like they keep on going on and on saying that Nagy and then then Ryan Pace is like. There are guys. They're gonna. They're gonna get their chance to show what they can do and stuff. It's like they've been here for. Pace has been here for six years, and, and I believe this is Nagy's third, third year. Yeah, third year. Yeah. But you know what? So, I mean, if you have to keep telling people that this is our guy, there's obviously something wrong. You have to keep reassuring the fans that this is our guy and this is who we're gonna run with. Yeah, it's 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 not good, and it's it was just kind of like it's just. We, we keep on going back to it every episode. It's just this, it's sad and a sappy Chicago sports. You know, it's just like, this is our guy. This is like, it, they, there's no like listening to the fans or the players. It feels like it's just like they, they think they're doing what they're doing right. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no fundamental facts or like, why are they doing it? It's just like, it's do we're doing because we, we know it's going to work. And it obviously hasn't worked in the past six years. Um, let me see. I don't, I think that kind of covers most of it. Do you guys have anything else when you're touching on, um, the uh, the presser too. Do you guys have anything on that? I'll I'll, I'll let loose for a second. Uh, so we're both co- we're all, all three of us are in college. You guys have had to have taken like an intro to public speaking course already, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you think any of those four guys, more specifically McCaskey and Phillips? I mean, guys, they don't know how to speak. They don't. And PT, you said it. That opening statement by McCaskey. It's like he they don't know how to run a football back. team either. True. It's like McCaskey had a gun in his back and he was reading him ransom note. It was so monotone. He had like no it just it was it was like he was reading a ransom note. It was absolutely absurd. And then some of these these quotes that you can pull out of these statements. I mean, the first one. Ted Phillips. This is gonna this is going to go down in Bears history. This is the most the biggest joke of a quote. His exact words are: "We have have we had a, have we won enough games? No. Have we got the quarterback situation right? No. But everything else is here. What what else? What else do we have? We have. If I'm looking at Ted Phillips, uh, his career stats as being a GM or being a president or a team president for 21 years, 20 yeah, 21 seasons, zero Super Bowl wins, one Super Bowl appearance, three playoff wins, five division championships, and six playoff appearances in 21 years. We got everything else though." Just we don't win enough games. We don't have a good quarterback. The, the, this like, is what's worse, Pat. Also looking at that tweet, there are two more bullets that I want to talk about. The 10 seasons with a losing record. That's almost half the time he's been here. And 24 different starting quarterbacks. That is terrible. Absolutely brutal. And like yeah. people talk about like the Browns and like their history with quarterbacks. Like the Bears are right up there like in that whole same category. They suck at getting yeah. quarterbacks. Realistically, who's the best quarterback the Bears have ever had? In, in, my, in my lifetime, Jay Cutler. I don't think there's. What about ever? Like Jay Cutler's up there like, too, and he he wasn't too good. Uh, I can't really speak for as much as the time. I don't know. I mean, obviously Jim McMahon won a Super Bowl in '85. Like he's obviously going to go down, and he's just an icon for this for the Bears. I, guess. I know he but wasn't. Like, he wasn't all that. But, like, I get what you're saying. It's like we don't have, like, a Brett Favre. We don't have a Tom Brady. We don't have a, a 
and Elway. Nothing we don't even have those. close to that, though. Exactly. Like Jay Cutler is not. Jay Cutler, in my opinion, in my lifetime, my 21 years, is definitely the best quarterback we've had. Yeah. Not even close to entering in the realm of any of the quarterbacks I just named off. Um, another quote: "Football is a people business." Ted Phillips: No, it's not. It's a results business. You hear, you go out there to win games. You don't. It's a business. You don't care about people's feelings. You go out to win football games and make money. It is not a people business. Like, what are you possibly thinking about in that situation? I, it's tough. I, I think like the only way an organization can be successful is if every side is working together. Um, and the fact that they think that that's like the only thing that like what it is like it is football is just a people business it's it's not gonna work it doesn't work and it's shown not to work everywhere um, and it's it's just like it's it's it's, it's happening within the Hawks organization too no one's listening it's it's just such bad turmoil and it's just toxic it's a toxic relationship yeah I mean. And then this this last one, and I'll kind of wrap up my my tidbits about this. This is a bad it's, one. This is a bad this, one, Pat. This is a really bad. And somebody called my and I, yo shout out to the beat writers that don't care and they they're actually asking questions to these people on behalf of the Chicago sports fans. This question or this came in. I think it was either McCaskey or Phillips. I don't. I can't remember who said it. Uh, he's like, I think Ryan is really starting. Ryan Pace, our GM. I think he's really starting to fill into his position. And that somebody said he's like, you know, someone either Phillips or McCaskey. He's like he's had this position for six years now. Now he's just starting to fill in. Yeah. Like I understand, you can't turn a team around in three seasons. That's a very critical talking point. But six. All, yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at especially college football coaches. I mean, they're getting canned after three years of struggling seasons when they can't really get to the chance to develop their full recruiting class. They've been trying to recruit. Um, but, I mean, the fact that he said he's really starting to fill in his, his position and he's been here for six years and fumbled the most important pick, one of the most important picks in Bears history in drafting Mitch Trubisky. I think it's the most important pick in Bears history just based on how bad he fucked that up. And then another reporter came in. I think it was Mark Potash. I could be butchering that last name. He comes in, he's like, you know, uh, to Ryan Pace, like, Ryan, with all due respect, what what happened in that draft room when you drafted Mitch? Just straight out called him out. And, and Pace was like, what the fuck? You, why are you asking me that question? That's disrespect. He didn't say this stuff, but you could yeah, tell by the look on his face, he was like, stunned. Like, you can't call him out. Like, he, he's, he's like a person, like, that won't – he's not very good with people. He's not really a people person, he's I not. think. He's not. Every time he gets questioned or something, or he gets yes, you get put on the hot seat. Like he responds so bad to it. And that's another awful look too. Yeah, and I tweeted it last night. And Brandon, we were talking about the post game for the Bulls. Billy Donovan came out, and he he had a very good grab. And I'll, I'll touch on it in our Bulls segment in a little bit. I quote tweeted, and I'm like, hey, at every other Chicago sports like hierarchy coach, this is how you respond to the media. Like Billy Donovan knows how to talk. None of these guys know how to talk. Yeah. I think the only bright spot for me in this in this post game or this postseason presser is that they they for the 17, 30 times they said the word collaboration. The only thing I enjoy is that we have Matt Nagy, who will be playing a pivotal role in this this upcoming draft. Now remember, Nagy didn't draft Mitch Trubisky. Nagy was there when they drafted Patrick Mahomes. So I do like the idea of having Nagy in the Very draft room with Ryan Pace. That's the only glimmer of light I can possibly see. But then again, we're drafting at number 20. So 
I don't I don't really know. But that post game pre- or that postseason presser was an absolute joke and a mockery. And the worst part is, is those four player, those four key personnel in our front office think they did just a, a fine and dandy job in, in addressing the media. Here, here's another thing, though, Pat, what kind of worries me with Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace is also the guy that didn't let Fox, who was then the head coach, not make any decisions with who we were drafting. If Nagy could be out the door in the next two years, what if he does the same thing with Nagy? That's a good point, but I do think that this is, and I, I really hope this is true because Phillips was beating around the bush. This question was asked so many times is how long are Pace and Nagy still left on their contract? Nobody knows. And they refuse to answer that question based on, based on the way they were talking. Lifetime contracts, Pat. They're never fucking leaving. And that's what they were kind of acting like. Like they were so, it's like it was, you know, a, a secret stored away in Fort Knox, bro. It was, it wasn't even funny. They wouldn't answer the question based off the way they were speaking. I'm assuming this is going to be their last year. They have one chance to do it or not. And if they're out, if they suck this season, they're probably going to be canned. But there's also this idea that if Ryan Pace, say if Ryan Pace were to get fired this year, and they hire a new GM, well then maybe the new GM wants a new head coach. So yeah. you never really know. It, it does, I don't hate Matt Nagy. I really don't. I just don't like him as a play caller. Agreed. That's really my key point. I don't hate the fact that if he stays our coach, I, Ryan, I just don't want Ryan Pace drafting another quarterback for this team. That's another great point too, Pat, is um, Alan Robinson also, um, when it gives kind of his postseason press or two or whatever, he released some quotes saying that he didn't even know he didn't even know who was calling plays at the last two games of the year. Which is how does your your number one ride wide receiver not know who he's getting calls from? It's yeah, a, it, it, that that is like number one most embarrassing thing to happen this season, in my opinion. There's just zero, and that's a joke because there's zero sense of like unity in that group. Like you have to know now. Football is kind of an it's a team sport, but it's very individualized. You need to worry about yourself and do your job. But there comes to a point where, like, okay, who's calling our plays right now? We need to know this. Who knows, Mitch? We I don't know. Did Mitch even know? I mean, I'm sure Nagy was probably relaying him into his helmet, but who knows who was making the final call? True. It's just it's an absolute joke that that came out. And if if I'm Mel Robinson, why do you? Why would you want to come back? Is this what we got? He, he's not coming back. I I don't see it happening. No, it's not. But that that kind of wraps up my spiel about uh, that post game or postseason uh, conference because that was just an absolute joke. It was. It was bad. It was, it was very bad. bad. I got one last thing for the Bears. I'm sending my message to the Bears. If you want to keep doing this, sneak into the playoffs every couple years, go right ahead. But if we want to win a Super Bowl, we're going to need, I think we need to start over. And I think we really, which isn't going to happen. But maybe this year is their last straw. But if, if this year doesn't end up being anywhere near close what we want it to be, which I think is where we're heading, we, we just need to press the restart button and uh, really look at how we can win a Super Bowl and hopefully the next 10 years because I, I need one. I need one, boys. I need I need a ring for my Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, I, I we all we all are kind of hoping to see some improvements, especially with this off season. Um, I guess we just got to take small steps to get to that um, area because 
I think the one thing that we've always been missing is a quarterback, and like we just touched on, you know. Um, it's, it's, this is a pivotal draft. There's quarterbacks out there that I think that could fill a role for us. But and I and here's another thing too, because we'll we'll touch on more draft here in a little bit um, in the next couple episodes. But I think we need a draft. I don't think we need to be trading away for Deshaun Watson. I think that we we can't keep avoiding drafting boys. There comes a point where, like, when you just keep on trading picks away, we're going we're just gonna get stuck in a circle of having people come in like one overpaying. We don't have much money, and two, we're getting guys. Yes, Deshaun Watson still young, but we're still. I mean, he's still starting to get a little bit older. So getting these guys young and getting them right into the system uh, and having them grow up in the system. So I, I don't know, but that's just kind of how I feel right now. Um, and we'll definitely get into more draft bears talking a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. So Go I got uh, one. I want to hit on this top talking point. We got, we don't have to spend too much time on it. Um, but oh, per yeah. ESPN 1000, Kaplan and Jay Hood, they were on their morning show, um, and they were talking about who is best in their position and the in the Bulls front office, or excuse me, the Bears front office. Is it McCaskey as the top dog? Ted Phillips as team president. Nagy as the head coach, Pace as the GM, or Mitch as the quarterback. Um, there was a lot of good. They brought in a lot, a lot of callers to get their opinion on it. Me, my gut reaction was in probably Mitch to start off, but I think I, I think I gotta go Matt Nagy. I, I think he, even though he had some hiccups, I mean he has been the head coach to lead the team to two playoff appearances. Granted, two, that two first and one three was years. Yeah, and, and he did two two playoff appearances in three years with a quarterback he didn't draft. I mean, he, I I, would, I think even though like he especially this year he had a lot of play calling issues, but just best at their position. I don't know. My gut says Matt Nagy. What do you guys have? Uh, I agree. I'm also going with Nagy. Uh, maybe you could go McCaskey because he's they've been there for so long and they've probably made so much fucking money. They're probably the true That's a good winners. Point. They're probably the true winners out of this group. But who's been the best at their job? I'll say Nagy. Short sample size, but compared to everybody else, we got Mitch, who's done abs- who hasn't done jack shit. He did get his MVP award uh, from Nickelodeon, though, which is, a joke. which is very uh, exciting for the Mitchell Trubisky estate. Uh, Ryan Pace, too many fuck-ups to even consider him. And Ted Phillips is just a fucking moron, so that's a big no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Nagy. Uh, PT, who do you have? Yeah, it's, it's Nagy 100. Um, percent You know, Pace has had some some good some good um, uh, mid round picks. Obviously, with yes. even though um, he hasn't been playing well, um, Darnell Mooney, another great asset that he's picked up in the draft. Um, and you know, like you said too, he's 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 got some big free agent signings as well. So you can't look past that, but I think that um, the clear-cut answer, especially when Matt Nagy's not calling the play calls um, and there's high team morale and when everything's going right, I think Nagy is the best at his, at his job out of, the, out of the five here that we're talking about. So, you know, and there, there were times that Mitch was good, but he just wasn't consistent. And, for, and, you know, unfortunately, none of these guys are consistent, but you just have the one, I guess, the one that's more consistent in your mind. So, given our three answers of all going with Matt Nagy right there, do you guys are you guys okay? Now, granted, earlier in the season when we were losing, I mean, we were very 
fire everybody. Mm-hmm. Would you guys be okay if Matt Nagy stays as our head coach? I personally say yes. I don't think he's a bad guy. I would like to see him not doing the play calls. I think he's a great guy that he can rally the troops in the locker room. And for what we saw this season, a lot of the players love Matt Nagy, and they always had his back in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I, if he's six of their head coach, and he just doesn't play, to make the play calls, and he just plays a role in the offense and bringing and knowing what he knows from Philly and from Kansas City. Are you? I'm fine with him saying he's our head coach. Are here, you guys here, fine with him? Here's what I have to say about that, and I say no, and here's why. Uh, at the end of the year, especially the last couple games, including that playoff game, we started to hear those little rumblings about Nagy getting back into the play calling. And like PT already said, A-Rob had no idea who he was getting play calls from. And I, I think this is going to be a recurring problem. I don't think Nagy's just going to be able to give a play calling like that. Sure, it sounds good, but I just don't see it happening. And if that's the case, then I don't want him as our uh, head coach if he's going to keep trying to bombard his way into the offense because – We've seen it so far. It hasn't worked at all with Nagy with the reins on this offense. So uh, that's why I'm going to say no. You're right, Pat. He's a good guy. He's a good rally the troops kind of guy. He's a good guy to get behind. But his ego is just way too big with uh, offensive play calling that I just I can't see him giving that up uh, even short term. We saw him get rid of it at the middle of the season this year and maybe two, three games later. Nagy's throwing a couple plays in there in key situations too. It's not just like, hey, first and ten, I want to try this. It's hey, fourth and one, let's try some dumbass dump off pass when we're four for four, five for five with uh Mitch just running it down the middle. So that's my piece on us keeping Nagy. If it was me, I'd say no. Um this is a tough question because Obviously, there have been our offensive struggles, um, and there has been some division with play calling, but I think that's one of our lower, I don't know how to describe this, this is one of our least concerns, it's lower on the totem pole, to where other things stand in the Bears organization. Um, I think if we get him some protect, if we get some offensive linemen, and that can protect a quarterback, maybe a quarterback that can make throws down the field to our fast wide receivers um, and run the ball. There's just so many things, but I don't, I wouldn't mind having Matt Nagy as our coach for the next couple of years um, just because I think he's not our biggest issue right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see how the shit plays out. I think they pushed the draft back a month this year. I think it's usually in April, and I think it's in May this year. Um, and we'll touch on a, a potential quarterback for us when we get into our college football segment. But uh, I, I think that's that concludes my piece on the Bears. How yes, so time to move on to south side and north side baseball. Uh, huge, absolutely ginormous news coming out of the south side with Liam Hendricks signing a what seems to be there's still some question marks on the contract but four years at 54 million dollars which uh Liam Hendricks got paid that's for sure but he did take the lesser deal to be with the White Sox uh he did get a better deal from the Blue Jays or the it was the Astros the The Astros. Astros the Astros gave him a little bit more money uh but 
Liam Hendricks said it himself. He wants to win a ring. And at the end of his contract, he wants to make it look like it was a bargain. So I'm all for that. Uh, obviously, Kalame is now gone. Uh, so we won't have those heart-racing ninth innings anymore. Uh, Kalame was very good for the time that we had him. So we will thank Kalame for uh, his part in the last couple seasons. Uh, but now, boys, we got a lockdown uh, rocket thrower here with Liam Hendricks. Absolutely dominant. Uh, back-to-back years, he was voted the number one uh, relief-slash-closing pitcher by MLB Network. Uh, by their analysts, too, not by the fans, because the fan votes are absolutely horrid. Uh, but the analysts did say that he is number one. The White Sox now have the top four in the top ten Cy Young. And per MLB Network, we have two of the top ten relief pitchers in baseball with Liam Hendricks at one and Aaron Bummer at eight. So, boys, Liam Hendricks, what are we thinking? Huge. We were, we were wondering if, if they were going to spend the money. Um, and I, I, um, they did, and I, I couldn't be more happy. Uh, I think, you know, I think we could have been safe and had Colin come back and pay a little less, but I think that we're kind of showing too now um, that the front office is trying to show the fans that we're trying to make a push too. Um, and I couldn't be more happy about this. I think he's going to be a great piece of our bullpen, and I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, back in November, we're doing our off-season needs and wants for the Sox, and my number one was Liam Hendricks. If we, we got your boy, audio, Pat. We got your boy. If we, if we can get the audio, we'll throw it in right here. Uh, but I, I'm absolutely stoked. I mean, he not only – yeah, it was a, uh, it was a lot of money. It was. Um, I do like it. I think it will be worth it. And I, I, he already seems to be fitting into the culture here. If you guys watched his presser with, with Rick Hahn – I mean, the smile on his face, dude. He's got a huge smile on his face. He's ready to go. He's got that swagger where he wants to have, you know, win a ring. But he's also, like, just a funny, chill guy. He's a chill Aussie who, you know, it's just – he he already gave himself the nickname the South Slider. Like, he's already just fitting in with the goofiness in Chicago. But, like, he's going to fit in well with that, like, demeanor of it's win now. We want to go out and win every game that we play. And it fits perfect with the, with the White Sox organization. Yeah. Another thing with Hendricks, as a closing pitcher, you need to have some nuts, and that man has some big old nuts. Uh, just absolutely lets him hang out. So I'm excited to see him coming out of our bullpen. Uh, boys, we might have one of the best bullpens in the American League, if not the whole league. Uh, it's am- amazing to say that, honestly, considering that we can have Crochet, Bummer, Hoyer, Foster, taking the 6th, 7th, 8th, however you want to wrap that up for you, and then Liam Hendricks coming in the ninth, just shoving it down your throat. We also have Cody Hoyer, which he has been said to be the White Sox closer of the future uh, after Hendricks is gone. Obviously, that's a long way down the road, but that's another guy that when we have, you know, two, three-run lead in the ninth, we could feel safe keeping Hendricks ready to go for another game and having Hoyer go in and shut down the ninth. So, just domination coming out of that bullpen. I do want to talk about our rotation here with uh, Jeff Passan, who I am a fan of, but sometimes he kind of gets me going. And uh, this is one of those tweets that got me going. Uh, he has Lance Lynn as our number one, Giolito as our number two, Keiko as our number three, Cease and Kopech as our four five. 
I'm going to give my piece because there's a couple red flags here in uh, what Jeff, Jeff Passan said, and then you guys can get into it. Uh, number one, I think Giolito is going to be our number one. I think he's pr- proved himself as the White Sox number one. Sure, if this was a different team, we would probably see Lance Lynn as our number one. But Giolito has done so much for the White Sox these last couple seasons, has been up for the Cy Young voting these last two years. I, I can't see anybody else being our number one besides Giolito. So I would <coughs> flip-flop Giolito and Lynn, have Giolito as our number one, Lynn as our number two. He also said that Dallas Keuchel won't be as good this year. Uh, and for that, i just say that he's a moron. Uh, Dallas Keuchel is going into his age 33 season, not his age 38 season. He is still at the right age as a starting pitcher. Uh, he's not a, He's not going to be a strikeout guy. He's going to be a ground ball pitcher. And when you're a ground ball pitcher, you stay for a while, and your numbers don't start to decline until later on in your career. Uh, we see that especially on the north side with Kyle Hendricks, who throws mid-80s, low-mid-80s, and he's still one of the best pitchers in the league. So Dallas Keuchel is our number three. Uh, he's going to be great as a number three. And then Cecil Kopech, 4-5. At the moment with this team, I agree that they're going to be our four and five. But I do see the White Sox going after one more starting pitcher, whether that be the sexy pick of Trevor Bauer, which I don't think is going to happen, or it be the not-so-sexy but very handsome veteran pitchers like James Paxton or uh, – I was going to say Corey Kluber, but obviously he signed with the Yankees. Uh, he would have been nice to have in the bottom of our rotation as well. If the White Sox plan on winning a World Series this year or going for it uh, this year, we're already in a great spot. I feel like we need one more pitcher, though. Uh, I know Cease has been working a lot this offseason to be a great number four, number five. I have heard only a couple tweets about Michael Kopech that he's looking great and uh, just as good as he was before the injury. Uh, but then again, you got to consider he hasn't pitched in two full seasons. Uh, it's it's a whole nother ball game when you're throwing from a bullpen catcher to an actual in-live game. So it's going to be interesting to see what Kopech does and if he's even going to start up in the major leagues this year. Uh, but I, I do see the White Sox signing one more guy. And I see them having a six-man rotation, not a five. I feel like with how good our rotation is and how deep that we want this team to go, it's important to give our top guys as much rest as possible, especially with a guy like Lance Lynn. He's a little bit bigger. He's averaged over 200 innings most of his career in the major leagues, which is unheard of nowadays, having over 200 innings. Uh, So I want him to stay healthy. It'd be great to see him hit the 200 inning mark, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is having him healthy for the postseason. So, boys, what are we thinking about this rotation? Where do you guys have people slotted in? And do you honestly see the White Sox making another signing with the rotation? Yeah, I think that this rotation is dangerous. I mean, to have, what is it, they're within 10 of the, there's four within the top 10 Cy Young. That's, yep. that's very impressive. Um, so when you look at it, I have to agree with you too, Mahoney. Uh, G. Little, there's no, there's no doubt he's our number one. Um, and I think that people outside of the organization might think differently. But I know that our fans in our front office. Especially have, a guy like Rick Hahn. 
with how Correct. personable he is with the players. Yes, it, it, loyalty is a big thing in the White Sox organization, whether it's positive or negative. And I think that's one of our positive things is Giolito is definitely our number one. Um, and I think that Keiko will come out and do what he does best, put the, have people put, put the ball to play and make their defense work behind them. Um, and there's no – we haven't lost anybody in our defense. That will make us worse. We've actually added people that will make, make our defense better. So I don't see him falling off either. Um, and I just hope the best for Kopech. I hope that he's able to come back as just as good as he was before because, you know, we know what he's, we don't know what he's been through. Um, and we can only hope that that's in the past now and he's able to kind of start to do what he loves, you know. So I'm excited. I, I, for I hope we get a pissed-off Kopech. I hope that's who we get. We might. We might. Especially with everything that's been going on in his life. We might. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I threw this in our script was just because it kind of caught me off guard. Like, he was on ESPN 1000 when he was talking to Cap and J-Hood about this, and it was like, it's pretty bold, like, a pretty bold statement to say that, like, Gio isn't going to be as good, and he's not going to be our ace anymore after the performance he had in his, his one uh, playoff game. And then Dallas is going to regress severely. Like, those are all bold accusations. It was just kind of ca- catching me off guard. I mean, I... Maybe if Dallas might regress a little bit, but like Geo is still going to be our number one. Lance Lynn's not going to be our number one, so I'm not too worried about that. Hopefully, I mean, yeah, I think Cease will definitely be a wild card uh, along with Kopech. But in terms of finances, obviously, I know the MLB doesn't have a, uh, you know, a, a salary cap. I mean, is it possible for us to get somebody like Bauer still? I 100%. mean, it, or is it? But 100%. it's really just up to if Jerry wants to pay him or not. 100%. That's exactly what it is. If Jerry wants to pay him, he can give him fuck. He can give him whatever he wants. Because we, we've got money to spend. After the Hendricks signing, I want to say that we're at about $70 million for the season, which is still, I mean, we could still spend, give uh, Bauer $20 million a year, and we're under $100 million for the season. That's uh, a good we, point. We can do that easily. Honestly, if we wanted to be a big dog like the Yankees and spend fucking $150, $170 million in one season, obviously that's not going to happen. But it would be nice to get near that century mark with the White Sox because that would be a $20 million contract and then probably like a 10 to a $5 million contract. Uh, so give that to Bauer and then maybe sign another right fielder DH like a Brantley or Nelson Cruz. Uh, I, I, we've got the money to spend here. It's just, do we want to spend it? Uh, I do. Obviously, I do. But Jerry Reinsdorf, who knows? Who knows? We got the money to spend, though. That being said, I mean, you have the the Padres, which made serious money moves, and now based off the potential re-signing or the extension they're going to give Tatis, I don't think they're going to be in the market for Bauer anymore. I don't think the uh, the Mets are going to be in the market anymore after landing Lindor. And if they still want to get Springer, that's probably their number one over Bauer. Is. I don't think the Yankees are going to be going after him after getting Kluber and signing DJ LeMahieu again. If Bauer wants to win, if you look at the money, the, the Sox are kind of the best place to go, am I right? I mean, do you yeah, see him going to the, the Astros? Thing. Here's the thing with Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is not in it for the money. So if he wants, he could go, seriously, Trevor Bauer can go anywhere he wants. We just need the White Sox to convince him. Sure, the money is going to be 
number three or four on his list of things that he wants. First, he's going to want to be on a team that is going to win a ring or at least come close to it in the next year or so. And the White Sox are there for that. He wants a good team to be around social media-wise. That's the fucking White Sox. We got Tim Anderson. We already saw it this season when Tim Anderson went deep off Trevor Bauer. And uh, Trevor Bauer was like, oh, like, you didn't bat flip and all this shit. he, He played with it. And it was awesome to see that. Could you imagine the social media storm that Trevor Bauer and Tim Anderson can have together? And Eloy, I mean, Luis Roberts on TikTok, Eloy's always screaming at the camera. I mean, this team would be perfect for him. Fuck, I'm talking myself into Trevor Bauer right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, if that was the case, you don't even need a marketing department for the White Sox anymore. Timmy and uh, Brower would just do it for themselves. But that's what I'm saying, too, is like if you just look at the teams, if he wants to win, he wants a good environment. We just already talked ourselves out of the Yankees, the the Mets, and the Padres. Based off what, you know, the Cheney scandal a couple years ago with the Astros, I cannot see him ever wearing an Astros jersey, regardless of how much money they pay him. And they're not as good as they were last year after losing a couple guys, so I don't see, I don't see the Astros going back to where they were. So I don't see Bauer and, and like Liam Hendricks, prime example. He didn't go to the Astros because he knew that they couldn't win a ring anymore. That's why he went to the White Sox. But did you? I don't know if you guys saw my tags. Did you listen to Redline this week? I did not. So the story that Dave was telling was that there's some software that they use, and it's it's not you would you you call it like Line Drive, couple Line couple Drive, yeah. Ago, right. There's another one. It's not that. There's another one that Hendricks and Giolito love to use. They're super analytical. They like to use it a lot. And a huge reason why that he didn't go to the Astros is because they didn't use that that software. So, and, and Gio uses it in Chicago. So that's like, okay, I have somebody that's in the same like sense of mind about it, that I have somebody that can work with it and we can do it together. We can go through all the analytics together. And that's the one, obviously... Obviously, I'm sure the Astros not being able to win a championship played a role in it too. And I mean, but he also turned down more money to go to Chicago. And the two, at least from what we're seeing, the two pivotal points were winning a championship as well as this the software that the pitchers use. Yeah, and, and uh, I just looked it up because I line drive didn't sign right. It's drive line. I knew it was. Yeah. It was yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of nice seeing the White Sox get somebody for less money from another team other than us being the team that got left in the dust with, you know, Machado did it, Harper did it. It's, it's nice to see us get a guy uh, cheaper than what he would have gotten somewhere else. So that does it with the White Sox. Uh, Another thing, very small minor thing with the White Sox. We already talked about it, but Yolki Cespedes is officially on the White Sox. His contract was just signed a few minutes ago. So, hopefully, uh, part of our outfield of the future. Hopefully, he could be just as good as his brother Ioannis was in his prime. And hopefully, we don't have to deal with the injury shit from Yoki uh, that we would have been with Ioannis. So, going on to the north side. Total 360 here. We got a team that's looking for a World Series. And now, we're going to a team that's more looking forward to the future. Uh, going back to our boy Jeff Passan saying that he thinks that the Cubs have another move up their sleeve. And what I have to say to that is no shit, Jeff. 
Uh, we have they have so many pieces that they have to move uh, uh, before the season starts or at the trade deadline. Uh, just a few people that have already been getting interest. Uh, this is one that I want uh, Cubs fans to pay the most attention to is the Marlins are interested in Wilson Contreras. Uh, after the Marlins got that taste of the postseason in their mouth and Derek Jeter running the helm for the Marlins, I would not be surprised if they go for it because their their team is going to have another year of experience. The of course, the NL East is very, very tough after the Mets getting Lindor. And they have the powerhouse Braves. They've got the Phillies. So it's going to be a tough decision uh, division to win. But I could see them going after a wild card spot. And to have a lockdown catcher like Wilson Contreras. And Wilson Contreras would fit very well with that club. Uh, I, I could just see the Marlins really needing Wilson Contreras. Another uh, team and another player... Chris Bryant and the Mets, uh, that seems to have a lot of connections lately. It was supposed to be anything but a done deal, uh, I want to say, last weekend, but obviously nothing ended up happening to that. Problem is, uh, Chris Bryant just got his arbitration deal, which is going to be $17 million for the upcoming season, which is quite a lot. Uh, it might be a little bit of a turnoff for some of these teams if the Cubs aren't willing to spend some money towards that deal. Uh, There's a lot of movable pieces on this Cubs. We've even seen uh, talks about Javi Baez even possibly being on his way out. Uh, Just There's a lot of question marks. There's going to be moves done. So if you're a Cubs fan, be ready to be saying another goodbye to some of your favorite players. Uh, So it's going to be a rough next couple months, but a very quick moving couple months considering the MLB has announced that spring training will start on time. Who do you guys have on who might be moved and what do you guys think of all this? I think it's the two guys you just talked about. Um, obviously, in the, a couple episodes ago, we talked about um, how Wilson Contreras was out on social media, kind of hinting at um, possibility of him being traded away. Um, so that's, I think, very possible. Um, and then, obviously, Chris Bryant will probably be shipped out at some point in my mind. Um, And I think that will probably be it, though, for the Cubs. Um, And I guess where do they go from there now? Um, Because I guess they've got a rebuild, you know, and you hate hate to see it. But um, if they can repeat it again, it's always a good feeling. And they might – if the Cubs could repeat what they did already – there might they might have a recipe or you know something something you can call it. like they they got the how to re, they have the secret to how to rebuild baseball teams so it's going to be interesting to see what happens and these Cubs fans just have to hold on don't lose interest definitely uh, one last talking point with the flubs I want to talk about who do we think is untouchable I think there is one guy on this team that is untouchable I think anybody else can go. I think Anthony Rizzo is the only untouchable. Uh, But even then, he's up in the air because he's still in the prime of his career. He can get them a haul. But if they want to piss off the fans, then that's the move they're going to make. Realistically, yeah, that's a great point because you look at it, um, you would think that Rizzo's their guy, he's their captain, but he's probably going to be the guy that would bring them the most value. 
Um, and if they are really moving to that point um, where they're shipping everybody out, he's he he might be one of those people that brings in those guys that will in the next couple of years will be a superstar. So it's 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 a tough situation when you look at it. Um, so it, I I don't think they will because like you said, I think he is the only untouchable. For that reason, I think my untouchable is is Kyle Hendricks still. Um, I, I think that you're right that if they were to trade Rizzo, that would be the biggest return on their investment they could possibly get. And I feel like it's probably easier to build around a a pitcher that's that good as Kyle Hendricks than building around a first baseman like Anthony Rizzo. So and it's probably a bold statement, but I do think Hendricks is probably my number one untouchable. Um, I guess I, I could see them shipping out uh, Rizzo if they got a good deal for him. He, okay, all right, boys. Here's time to deep dive a little bit. We're going to deep dive into this a little bit with uh, the offseason coming up next year and why the Cubs might have a difficult time trading Javi Baez this year. If you look at the shortstop class for next year, next free agency, we have Francisco Lindor, Javi Baez, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, Miguel Rojas of the Marlins. This is going to be one of the best offseason or uh, free agency classes at one position in MLB history. These are some of the best names in baseball right now, and they're all going to be free agencies at shortstop. So why are teams going to trade for one year of Javi Baez when they can just spend the money next year? Because it's gonna it, all these guys are not going to be getting two hundred million plus deals. It's just not going to happen because not that many teams are in need for shortstops. They're going to sign one two year deals and then hope in a couple years. They're one of the best shortstops on the market. Now, if we look at the first baseman free agency class for next year, we got Rizzo, who is also going to be a free agent, Carlos Santana, and Yuli Gurriel. Those are the top names. Anthony Rizzo would get you a bigger haul right now because there is nowhere close near to anybody as good as Anthony Rizzo that's going to be a free agent next year. So they want to get Anthony Rizzo now, sign him to an extension. So I guess I'm kind of stepping back here, and I, I would trade Anthony Rizzo. I, I I could lean towards Pat and say that Kyle Hendricks could be an untouchable, but if you want to turn this thing around quickly, you gotta you gotta deal Rizzo. Yeah, but you you made a great point too. Is that's it's not gonna be um it's not gonna make the fans very happy. Um, no, it will not. And we've already and we already seen that they're not happy right now too. So, how how much can a, a Cubs fan take? You know, I guess is what we'll have to look at. The 108 years of losing, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, for real, that's a good point. Um, it's it's a great it's a great uh, you know analysis of the upcoming off season. It's a, it's a good point. I mean, you know the you know this is a funny thing. You know the Cubs are hurting because the marquee network has now been showing Illinois State basketball games. So uh, that's how much they're trying to just like get some sort of Illinois relevance on their on their channel. Um, yeah, I mean, if you compare the hall between those two guys, if you, realistically, Brandon, who do you think is going to want more money? So say they don't they don't resign. Uh, Baez, they don't resign Rizzo. They both go to free agency. 
now, as, there's no such thing as restricted free agents in baseball, right? No. Okay, so let's say for some reason they were. They like there there isn't hockey in it and shit like that. Who would, you would Baez is gonna ask for more money? Don't 1, you think? One thousand percent, Baez is Baez is gonna want a Machado type deal. Yeah, so then like at that point, you can't let both of those guys walk. You you have to you have to trade one you have to trade one of the two and though you like you said the mo you're you're gonna get more or, return or on your fuck it, trade both at this point. I mean, Brandon, do you hate that idea? Granted, we're Sox fans. So we're biased to this. Yeah. But, like, I mean, imagine imagine the, the players you can get for trading uh, Rizzo and Baez. I mean, you're you're set. You're going to have a pipeline for the ages with that. I mean, do you hate that idea? No. Here's the thing, too. The NL Central is going downhill fast. There, there are people talking on Twitter, baseball analysts, saying that the winner of the NL Central might be under 500 this year. The division is that bad. The Cardinals are losing Molina. They're losing Wong. Wainwright's up in the air. The Cubs are blowing it up. The Brewers are just, they don't have pitching. Sure, they got Yelich. Yelich had a very bad year last yeah. year considering what he uh, is he as an hurt, MVP. Though, didn't he? Uh, he he didn't get hurt, hurt, but he was, uh, dealing with injuries all year. But, uh, who else? The Pirates are fucking dog shit. The Pirates haven't been anything in the past 10 years. They've been, there's a joke in the NL Central. I I will say this though. One of my favorite postseason moments is Russell Martin hitting that homer in PNC Park. Uh, that was absolutely electric after, uh, Cueto dropped the ball, uh, cause the Pirates fans were chanting so loud. In the next right. pitch, Russell Martin hit a homer. Uh, absolutely yeah. electric. I will say this about Pittsburgh. They are an awesome fan base. Uh, yeah. But their team is absolute shit. And they know it. Their owner is absolutely terrible. If we want to talk about bad owners, the owner of the Pirates is absolutely awful. Uh, and the Reds. The Reds are the most confusing team in the MLB. Uh, last year, they were all in. And now this year, they just traded their best closer. Uh, and Rossiel Iglesias, uh, there are they're talking about trading Luis Castillo, their number one pitcher. Uh, who knows? Maybe they have the same idea as the Cubs, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to take two years off of really going for the playoffs, and then in three years, when all of our prospects are ready, we're going to dominate the NL Central." And that's why I think the Cubs have to look at here. They can't look at the now and how weak this NL Central is because it's going to hurt us really bad in the next couple years. When we can stock up now, and in two years, we're going to run the Central again. And I think that's what they have to look at. That's a great point, because I actually heard a very similar take in regards to the Bears. Look at the Bears. Look at the look at the NFC North. You have Matt Stafford, who who knows? I mean, that dude's... The Lions are possibly talking about trading Stafford. I'll take him. Actually, I don't know. I don't want to give up a lot of draft picks for him, so maybe not. But, I mean, look at the future of the Bay. Look at the future of the NFC North. Aaron Rodgers, who knows how much longer he's going to be playing. He can play two more years. He can play five more years. They win it this year, and I think he might be done. I'm not kidding. Yeah, so that's a good point. So I'm saying, like, look in three years from now, look at what the NFC North might be. No Packers with no Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love as a quarterback. A Lions with no Matt Stafford and a Vikings with no uh, Kirk Cousins. 
this is prime time for the Bears to get their shit right right now and run the NFC North in the, in a couple years. It's a great example in applying it to the Cubs. If the Cubs really get their shit straight right now and they ex- and they really accept the idea of like taking it two years off and rebuilding as best we can, they could be running the NL Central in two three years. It's a great it's a great point. And I think if you exp- if you pitch that idea to Cubs fans in that way, or pitch this idea to Bears fans in that way, uh-huh. you can get a lot more positive response out of it rather than, "Hey guys, we're gonna go trade Rizzo and Baez, and we're gonna see what happens." So, you know, like it's just, but again, there's the Cubs organization is just in shambles right now. See, it's hard to get a positive message out when you have you know an owner that's laying off people left and right you have a joke of a sports net or uh, a, a joke of a network like marquee network like there's just so many negative vibes around them that you can't you can't sell the fan base like rick Hahn sold us a couple of years ago you know well because you know rick Hahn ran us through what the plan was and we yeah, haven't gotten that exactly. from the cubs yeah he, he said hey buckle down for the next three years enjoy the shitty players that we're gonna watch Enjoy the losing, have fun, because in three, four years it's going to get real serious, and this team's going to go somewhere. Exactly. I'm, exactly. I'm going to miss those days of Alan Hansen and uh, all the JB Shuck, all the shitty baseball players that the White Sox have had. I'm going to miss going and buying a, a, a two dollar ticket up in Nosebleeds and going sitting in the bleachers for free. That's what I'm going to miss. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So that does it with our baseball segment. Pat, go ahead and take it away with the beautiful Blackhawks. Yeah, so if you've been following our two post-game episodes, the Hawks are currently 0-2 right now. Uh, They allowed 10 goals between two games against the Lightning while we only scored three. Um, Which resulted, of course, in two losses. Yes, yes. So it's it's uh it's been it's been a tough start. I think the Hawks made some serious improvements in that second game against Tampa, especially in those that especially in that first period. Um, the Tampa series is over right now. We're looking on to Florida, uh, which will be cool to see because Florida is a long fan their stadium, so we'll have some sort of life in the stadium, which will be cool to see. Um, and then after Florida, we are back in Chicago against the Red Wings. So we do have a little bit of a softer schedule, so it'll be interesting to see how things play out. Uh, I think to start, obviously, Jeremy Collin has signed a two-year contract extension with the Hawks, having a 45% win rate over the past three seasons, two seasons, three seasons, something like that. So, again, it's another another example of coaches getting extensions when they have losing records. Jim Harbaugh, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, it's, it's just a Chicago thing. Yeah, I, I'm going to be the minority here, and I, I actually do not hate the idea of signing Colleton to a two-year extension only because you look at how much money the NHL has lost. You can only see how much money that the Blackhawks have lost. I don't think it would be smart right now to spend that money on a new head coach. Financially, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that statement. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 just, it's tough, man. It's tough. Um, obviously... Um, the organization is in shambles right now. Um, nothing is working together. Um, so I, I, you know, and I guess, and their whole driving point right now, and I is what I've understood is it's a youth movement, and, and Carlton's young, um, and if they feel that he can connect with our younger players, and you know what, I'll just, I'll be, I don't know what the word is, I'll, I'll be buffooned into this 
ridiculous law, you know. But um, I feel like definitely if that is what it is, uh, I'll ride. I'll ride with it. But the one take I was going to take, uh, the one take I had from this, though, is um, I'm going to take any team that the Blackhawks are playing this year and take them into the money line. Um, and I should have a pretty high um, chance of winning a decent I amount of money. I mean, I bet I bet the Tampa money line last night. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to bet. It's hard to bet on the Hawks, man. It really is. As much as I want to, and much as it sucks betting against the Chicago team, you just look at the look at the team we have, and it's it's hard to bet bet for them. So, um, it was good to see Debrinket had two points last night, a goal and an assist. Patrick Green had a nice uh, a nice goal last night too. Colin Delia did have a couple big saves, but he did have a couple big flubs, or he just. What wasn't? I mean, it's it's dude. I mean, we have three goaltenders. We've seen two of them play. The first one gives up rebounds left and right. The second one, it has very struggles mightily in, in puck handling. It's just the curse, you know. So I I want to see Kevin Lankinen start game one against uh, Florida on Sunday. Uh, if you're Cowden, I think you have to let him. From what we've seen in bad technique between two goaltenders so far, you have to let Lankin play this next game. Um, that being said, still no Brett Seabrook. Uh, he released this idea, released uh, an article earlier in the in late December or early November, how he's so excited to get back on the ice. He was recovering from that hip surgery from last year that kept him out of the bubble. It looks like he played one or had one day in practice during training camp, and he tweaked his back. Um I mean, Cowden's big thing was being able to uh, see a lot of rotation in our defenseman this year, and with Cowden, with Seabrook not being out, you're gonna see, you're gonna have to see Adam Boquist really struggle. You're gonna have to see Ian Mitchell struggle at some points. You know, it's gonna be tough. Uh, I I really want to see Seabrook back on the ice, uh, but I mean, who knows at this point what he uh, what he'll look like? I, I think he will come back at some point. From what I'm understanding, it's just a, it's just a tweak back. Um, I also do have to say too. That in recent news, the Hawks did place Taze and Doc on the long-term IR, which the way the long-term IR works is you still have to pay those players, but it doesn't hit your cap, your cap, uh, your the cap you have left. So basically, what the Tampa Bay Lightning did with um, Nikita Kucherov, they found out he was done for the season. They put him on a long-term IR that allowed the, that freed up some cap space there to go ahead and add some some pieces in that uh, aspect now being on long time long-term ir that could be you can be back in 10 games i think the minimum is missing 10 games yeah it uh, is it's time so doc is clearly done for the season that's confirmed uh whether what taze is looking like you don't you don't really know so it's for sure 10 games it's it's really gonna be up in the air i don't know if we'll ever figure out what actually is going wrong with them at the moment but uh it's like Brandon, like you said last night. You just have to look at you have to look at the developments in the players. You have to it's you can't really focus on the stat sheet. You can't really focus on the excuse me, the scoreboard, I should say, uh, and really just see how the guys are playing. We saw some big, promising signs from that first line with not having Strom as the starting center. Um, I said I really like that fourth line with Camp Highmore and Carpenter. You know, so there were, and I think Ian Mitchell even had a kind of Ian Mitchell and DeHaan on the defensive side of the puck in that first period. They looked very good last night too. So it's going to be like the Bulls, where you really can't focus too much on the the win losses. You need to focus on how the players are developing on the ice. So that's all we got. Let's uh, let's jump into quite a week in the in the world of the NBA. So most notably, 
the the drama going on in Houston with James Harden not wanting to play anymore. He said that he's been trying his hardest to try to re- rekindle some sort of a connection with the front office of the Rockets. Boogie Cousins said, yeah, that's bullshit. Like, you're being disrespectful to the team. You, you aren't trying at all. And James Harden finally got his wish. He was traded to the Brooklyn Nets for a four-team trade. So it was the Brooklyn Nets were involved. The Rockets were involved. The Cavs and the Pacers were also involved. So obviously there was a couple pieces moved here and there between the Cavs and the Pacers. Most notably, James Harden is now going to the Brooklyn Nets to team up with former teammate Kevin Durant and a new teammate Kyrie Irving, who is currently uh, facing some uh, repercussions to some uh, actions off the court. We'll get into that in a second. But in reality, the, I think the Rockets won this trade. They had, 100%. They had a, Four swapped picks in the first. Four swap picks. They added four first rounders over the next four years, five years. They also added Victor Oladipo. So now you have John Wall, Victor Oladipo, and Demarcus Cousins. If those three can stay healthy, that team is way better without James Harden and 100%. Russell Westbrook. 100%. They had the future. They have a golden pipeline in the future for draft picks coming up. Like and like I said, Oladipo had some issues with injury. Boogie also had issues issues with injury, and so did John Wall. So that's the one scary point. But I mean, they are looking very good in terms of what they have right now, as well as what they have in the draft in the upcoming future. Here's what I gotta say about this. Sure, it's great if Oladipo and Cousins stay healthy. But I think they win this trade even if they don't get Oladipo and Cousins and they only get the four first-round picks. Considering how negative James Harden was being with the Rockets, they had to deal him. And to get four first-round picks for James Harden, who is being so negative with this team, and then adding Oladipo and Cousins to the deal, uh, they they won this uh, trade by a landslide, in my opinion. My, I only have two takeaways from this. <clears throat> First of all, I was very surprised to see that Brooklyn even thought to bring James Harden in. It was already kind of, Kyrie's already kind of stinking up the organization. Um, and then to bring in James Harden, uh, two kind of toxic guys. Um, Kevin Durant's kind of does his own thing. Um, yeah, yeah, they're three superstars, but they're three guys that want to shoot the ball every play, you know. So we'll see how it works. Um, I guess that's not my good. Question. I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think they're going to rush well either. And, and I guess what we'll, I guess the question is, I guess we want to know is why. What do you guys? What was the whole kind of reasoning behind it? Um, and then, secondly, um, I just want to say, uh, fuck you to Kyrie and fucking James Harden. These guys are being the least professional people I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. They're going out and they're just the the fact that like they're they're just like straight up disobeying them people. And these guys are like in the spotlight. They're basically considered to be face of organizations and the NBA, and they're just setting awful awful standards for some some of these younger players that are coming in. Um, some of these people that could struggle thinking, oh, should I do this or should I not? Oh, okay, they can do it, I can do it. Um, and also, fucking, there are kids that will come in that have, will fucking work their ass off, do everything they can, um, and they just won't be as good as these guys. These guys are have fucking God-given talents, and they're just, in my opinion, they're throwing it away because they're being dumbasses. I mean, it, it just blows my mind that these two are just being so 
selfish and careless. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a, a pivotal role in how this team plays out. And this is what I kind of want to ask you guys in a quick roundtable is obviously the Lakers are the favorite to win the championship. There's no question about that. Do you see the Brooklyn Nets making it out of the Eastern Conference against teams like the Bucks or teams like the Heat? Even the Atlanta Hawks are looking pretty decent this year as well. The Celtics are looking good. They're starting to come around a little bit. The Sixers are still always going to be a, a decent team to play against. Me personally, I don't think so. And I think it's going to come down to the defense side of the ball. I mean, it's no secret that Kevin Durant can play defense. He's he's going to go down in the history of one of the best players to play the game. And obviously, they have every bit of offensive talent they possibly need. So are are the Brooklyn Nets going to make it out of the East? Not even with the championship. Are the Brooklyn Nets going to make it out of the Eastern Conference? My answer is no. I, I agree with you, Pat. I would say no. Also... Uh, I wouldn't give it like a no shot chance that they don't uh, because they do have James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie. If they could somehow find a way to mesh together, they could be a very dangerous team. But in that case, it's still enough. Yeah, yeah. There's always that, that opportunity that, the, that it does go right. Um, and if that is so, they could be very good. Um, so, you know, if Steve Nash and, uh, is able to kind of bring these guys together and find a way and run an offense that complements every single one of them, um, I think that's going to be pretty tough. But I think that they could definitely be a very scary team and a team that definitely contend in that conference. Poor Steve walked into a shitstorm with this Brooklyn team. That if there's one guy I want coaching that team, I think it might be Steve Nash. I think he'll be able to speak to the players on a personal level and understand he played too not too long ago. He understands what it's like. So I don't hate that. I think Steve Nash might be a good fit. But into the Bulls, I mean, we talked a little bit about it last night on the uh, post-game show. Obviously, they're off due to some time with some games getting canceled due to COVID issues, um, which kind of played into our favor, which allowed guys like Warrior Markkinen and Archie Diakno to get a little bit healthy. And Lori, in his first game back last night against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, he really showed up and had put up some good points. I mean, like I said, I mean, the Bulls don't look bad. They really don't. If you look at the way they've – the games they've lost, I mean, I'm, I can think of three, four games where we've lost by five points or less where we could easily be an above 500 team right now and probably be midway through the Eastern Conference in terms of standings. It's just, it, Billy Donovan said it last night. Zach Levine said it last night, too. Zach Levine was pissed in his postgame presser. At the end of the day, you can't lose a game when you're up 20 points. You cannot. We need to learn how to finish, and that's exactly what Billy Donovan said, too. These kids, these guys are kids. It's exactly what I love this line, too. He's like, these guys are kids, and they want to win. They just don't know how to yet. You would never hear a voice or a, a quote from an idiot like Jim Boylan. That, that's a great thing. That, that speaks to what this team has been going through in terms of their coaching staff for the past two or three years. They've had morons manning the helm that to the point where Billy Donovan's like, these guys are good. They're very skillful. They want to win. They just don't know how to yet. That just speaks to what guard packs have allowed in this organization over the past however many years, probably since Tom Thibodeau. I mean, ever since Thibodeau left, it's been downhill from there. But I do like – I love the Bulls. They're so much fun to watch, man. They're keeping it close no matter what. Even though they broke my heart last night on that on that parlay, I'm still going to watch them. And, uh, and like I said, we can't focus too much on the stat line, man. You really just got to focus on the, the, the development of the players. Um, so it kind of goes into my, my point that I hinted at last night in our post game. So Zach Levine, he is putting up 
great stats right now. He's a huge asset for the Bulls. He's a, he's averaging 25 and a half, I think, right now. But, I mean, the last three, four games, he's been pushing over 30. The question is, is do you see him being a, a cornerstone for this team in the future? Or do you think he will be traded in this year's trade deadline? And why? My answer, I think he's going to get traded. I think we can. I think at this point right now, with how high, I mean, his his trade stock, his trade value has risen significantly in the 12, 13 games he played this season. We're going to get a shit ton for him if we can trade him right now, and we trade him to a team that is pushing for a title, like maybe the Clippers or maybe the Denver Nuggets. Not maybe not Denver because they have no. Yeah, the Denver Nuggets, dude. They have it. They need a two guard, a shooting guard, Jamal Murray, Zach Levine, and Jokic. Sign me up. Like, you know, so I think, I don't think he's going to be here for the future. I really, I love him to death. He's a great offensive person. I don't think he's going to be here for the future. I think now is the time to trade him before this trade deadline while he's putting up stupid numbers. What do you guys have? Fuck. Uh, I could agree with trading him. I'd be fine either way. Either way, if we trade him or keep him, I'll be fine at the end of the day. Uh, we would definitely get a haul for him. But I feel like he could also be a big key to our future i don't know it's tough i'll go with we trade them uh we should trade them get the haul that we can get because again we're looking for the future not the now Uh, i know that's kind of tough to look at with this bulls team uh considering how close all of the games have been so far but if we get some good pieces from the levine trade then i think we could really take that next step in the next couple years that's a great point. Um, I, when you guys, before you guys even brought that up, I was thinking, oh, I hope he stays. You know, he'd be a great piece to kind of build around. Um, but you can't deny that the haul that he would get, especially after seeing James Harden haul, it, it, it's 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 almost you can't avoid that. You, especially if we're looking in the future, if we can get more first round picks for the next three to four years, I mean, that could be huge in landing a, a big younger player, and we could have a team good young basketball players. I think that is something that I think probably will happen. And, uh, and it kind of gets me excited. Yeah. I mean, granted, Zach's not anywhere close to what, what James Harden brought in. James Harden yeah. brought in four pick swaps and four first rounders. Fuck dude. Give me two. Give me, give me one pick swap and two first rounders over the next two years. I'll take it. I will be, I will gladly take that. 100%. I think he, we could, and this thing too is like, if Gar and Pax are manning the helm of this, I, I don't want them trading him and getting draft picks because they'll, they'll fuck up the trade. With the new like re like revitalized source of confidence and trust in our front office with AK manning the helm and Billy Donovan being there, yeah, let's do it. I think we should. It will suck. I love Zach Levine. He's done so much. He's made these games a blast to watch. Make the trade. Get at least one or two draft picks, first rounders, and and. To keep building up this team, and we have. I think our cornerstone right now is is Kobe White for sure. Ori and Wendell really need to prove themselves this year. Patrick Williams obviously is going to be a cornerstone for us too. Uh, I'm saying right now, Kobe's the one who's producing the most. He's had a hell of the past two or three games. Wendell, what Ori? They're fighting, or Ori at least is fighting for a contract after he wasn't uh, re-signed or offered an extension this season. Wendell needs to prove himself too. I think Zach is if right now with how high his trade is, his trade value is and how well he's playing, you got to make that trade and bring in some capital so we can pursue the future even more. I think and no nobody I, w- I don't want anybody else 
being the head coach of our rookies that we draft in the next couple of years. No, I don't want anybody else with Billy Donovan because you have guys like Colby White that can attest to what Billy has taught them. You have guys like Patrick Williams who can say, hey, I understand you're a rookie. I understand we're not the best team right now, but you need to buy into what Billy's talking about. Give it two, three, four years, and we'll be we'll be right there in the Eastern Conference. So I think it'll be a great move. Um, but hey, at the end of the day, you just got to keep watching the Bulls, man. They're fun to watch. They're keeping games interesting. And I haven't felt this way about a Bulls team probably since Tom Thibodeau was the head coach. So um, if that's all you guys got for the Bulls, we can jump into college basketball or college football, excuse me. And you know, Alabama, Ohio State national championship. All three of us said Ohio State. I think me, and Brandon said Ohio State was going to win. I think PTU said Ohio State was going to cover. Um, they, I mean, Alabama just dominated on every aspect of that field. Uh, offense, defense, special teams. It, it was, it wasn't even fair. It was bully ball the entire night. Alabama wins fifty-two to twenty-four. Absolute domination of a game. That being said, Nick Saban, I think this is his sixth title, seventh title, something like that. It, let's start in the in the in the college universe. All sports in college: basketball, women's, men's, football, volleyball, all that stuff. Is Nick Saban the best coach in college football or in in college athletics? Yes or no? Yeah, considering his pedigree, definitely. Yes, and it's all based on consistency. Um, every year, he's in the top four, and he's so good at recruiting. And you know, yeah, I guess it's 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 the whole Alabama, um, kind of culture that he's built. That everyone wants to go to Alabama. If you haven't really made it, if you get it, you don't get an Alabama offer. Well, I think he built that, and he's so consistent. Um, and he just—it's a factory. It is a factory down. And it is unbelievable. Yeah, I think it's. I agree too. I think he is the best coach in, in the U.S. for college athletics. I think Gino Oriama is number two. And the only reason I don't put Gino over him is because Gino kind of fell off a little bit lately. Uh, UConn and the dynasty they were in women's basketball kind of fell off. You see teams like uh, North, I think it's South Carolina is becoming a huge uh, force. Baylor is a huge force wins basketball. I think Gino is right there number two, but I think Saban has it has it topped off. I mean, that game, I mean, like I said, Mac Jones was throwing up numbers. We said at the end of the LSU game last year that we'll never see an offense this good in a national championship game. And Mac Jones was like, hold my beer. Mac was putting up numbers just as – I don't think he passed uh, Joe Burrow in terms of stats at the championship game, but he was right there behind him uh, in terms of yards and pass completions and stuff like that. I mean, Mac was hitting his throws. I mean, uh, who was the wide receiver? Obviously, uh, first off, Waddle showing a huge sense of just guts, wanting to play the game, wanting to be out there with his team for the championship. I mean, he's going out there, he's breaking tackle, he's making moves in his routes, and then he comes up limping, he hits the sideline, takes a breather, and he's right back out there. Should he be playing the game? No, fuck no. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> for, uh, anybody, not. anybody who says they should have is a fucking moron. Uh, you saw all of the professional athletes tweeting, why is he in the game? There is no reason that he should risk his future being a professional athlete by playing in this game. They would have won the game without him, anyways. Why? Why was he playing? Well, I think I think you know I agree with everything you're saying. I think what you have to do though is to put yourself in a young, successful athlete's exactly. shoes um, that has been out all year. It's his senior year. 
or in junior, he's a junior, might be a junior. I, I think so. he's a junior. Yeah. That, would, that would probably make sense. Um, this was probably his last game in Alabama. Um, I, I think it's just he wanted to play, uh, you know, and I, and I think obviously there there should have been coaches telling him not to uh, because there's a lot more time in front of him for him to play. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it's, it is the national championship game, and I can understand why he wanted to be in the game. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I agree a thousand percent. But you said it, and uh, it kind of reminds me of this Kirby Doc situation. We need an adult to step in here and be like, dude, you can make a shitload of money in your future and set yourself up long-term lifetime if you don't play in this game and you don't get hurt. Kirby Doc, if he doesn't go play, I know it's a little bit different of a situation. This is a national championship and the other one was a tournament. If Kirby Doc doesn't go... Where he's healthy and he's playing for this Hawks team and the outlook for the season is a little different. Say he does get hurt in that game and he can't play for another year, his football career might be done. It's just some things are worth not doing for the long term. And I think this was one of those things. Yeah, it's a, I do agree. I do agree. And they did consult with his family, so his parents, as well as doctors and everything before the game started. They they made sure that there was – that the chances of him potentially furthering an injury was, were slim to none. So I don't think he would have played if he did have a real fear. Um, but also, that's, just, that's, a, that's a draft stock booster, man. That just builds his tenacity, his team show what he's really made of. I mean, if I'm, if I'm that kid and I have a chance to play in a national championship game, I think I I think I do it. I think I fight through it and I do it. I don't know, but that's just me. But I mean, Waddle had a hell of a game. Heisman winner Smith, uh, Devontae Smith, he played absolutely lights out. If he doesn't get hurt in that game, doesn't I think he broke his finger or dislocated his finger? I mean, dude, if he plays for four quarters, holy shit, his stat line is stacked. It's not, and it already was stacked at halftime before he got hurt. Like he, I wish he would play the whole game. I wish he didn't get hurt. Because that stat line would have been phenomenal, and it really would have solidified his Heisman Trophy. Uh, even their their running back, who's their – oh, God, I'm doing horrible uh, names. Harris, that kid's unreal, too. But there are people saying that he he might not even make he, – he might slip to the second round of the draft this year. I, I can see it. I mean, this, this draft is going to be – I mean, obviously every year there's great talent all across the board. But, I mean, there's this, I mean, there's people coming out from everywhere. I mean, it's a deep quarterback class – um, you Which know, I really haven't heard too, too many, um, too many, uh, it's, I think it's gonna be more of an offensive first round. Um, yeah, it will be. I really haven't heard too many defenders that are like crazy good. They're going to go pretty high. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be a very skilled based draft. Yeah. So that's a great segue into our next point. Let's talk about the draft. Now we are, like I said, we're months away from our draft right now. And there are very early, early, early draft projections. And the Bears are going to be drafting at number 20 this season. And obviously, number one, number two is is uh, is almost a lock. Almost. You have the Jags are going to take Trevor Lawrence. The Jags have signed Urban Myers, their head coach. They have a hell of a running back in James Robinson. Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. Now, I don't want to get too much into it right now. The Jets, if you're the Jets, man, I don't know what you do here. Do you take... Do you take Justin Fields or do you take Penny Sewell, who's going to be the best offensive lineman the NFL is going to see for a long time? Do you suck it up with Sam Darnold regardless? 
in the early, it's going to get the, the draft, the quarterback draft order from what I've seen is it's not in order, but in progression, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence going to go the first, then fields will go at some point. Then people are saying, saying the kid from North Dakota state is going to go. And then it's going to be Mac Jones. And then the early projection I saw Mac Jones slips to number 20, where the bears could pick him up. Do you hate the bears taking Mac Jones? Yes or no? No, I do not hate it. Uh, I'm for it. We need a quarterback for the future, and I think Mac Jones might be it, especially coming from a program as good as Alabama. You could trust Alabama. So I'm good with it. I I am not. I'm out. Um, He's not very mobile. Uh, And obviously with Nagy's offense, you kind of have to be a little bit mobile to move around, get out of the pocket. Um, And we aren't really – What if it's um, not Nagy's offense, though? What? what if it's somebody else calling the place? Yeah, but I mean, right now it looks like Nagy's going to be the guy for now. True. Um, and like we said, that's kind of like a thing we look at too. Um, is it, are they drafting for Nagy or are they drafting for the future? So I guess we'll have to wait to see hints on that. Um, but another thing too is this guy's got the best offensive line in the country blocking for him. So we really haven't seen him under pressure, what she's going to be. In the NFL, especially maybe with the uh, the Bears' offensive line, even though they did improve towards the end of the year, actually quite a bit. Um, but there are some things that concern me. Like I said, there's mobility um, and different things like that. Um, so we'll see. I, you know, and I, I don't know how to have to. I'm gonna have to look a lot more into this uh, because I, yeah, he can throw the ball, um, but that that mobility thing kind of because I mean you have to be mobile in the NFL now. We saw with Nick Foles. Just did not work. Our offense couldn't move, and it was just very painful to watch. Yeah, and that's a great point. Talking about the offensive line, they had Deontay Brown, who is an absolute unit of a left tackle, who hasn't allowed a sack in three seasons at Alabama. That's 865 snaps. Holy fuck! If you see the picture of this guy, I mean, he is massive. So that's where I think I think I'm also out on Mac Jones for two reasons. I think at that point in the draft, you have to draft the best player available, whether I don't care what position it is. Obviously, I don't think you need another linebacker. I'm fine with Danny and and Broquan. I don't. We don't need another running back. I'm fine with Mati. I think any other position, if it's a tackle, if it's a guard, if it's a DB. I think you have to draft the best person that's available at 20, and I don't think Mac Jones is going to be the best person available. And for some reason, I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. I never want to put anybody down. Mac Jones just screams A.J. McCarron to me. Wins a national championship, has a hell of a time in college at Alabama. And A.J.'s, I think, last I remember, A.J. was a backup for the Bengals. I don't even know if he's on the – he's definitely still a backup. He's not a starting quarterback. I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. So just seeing Mac Jones and – the career he had at Bama and him not even being a top contender in the, in the earlier parts of the draft. I think he's a repeat AJ McCarron. So I, I think I got to go out with him. And I think you need to pick the best person available in the draft at that point. So if that's what we got, we'll wrap things up with a, probably a topic PT doesn't want to talk about, but we got to talk about a college basketball. So I'll, I'll hit on a couple things and we can recap the Illini for a little bit. Let's start with West, uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. We talked about it last week that are we weren't too sure on how Michigan would be. We said their first they had played a soft schedule. They said their first real test is going to be Wisconsin and they won on every aspect of the four. They dominated that game 
and they made Wisconsin look pretty pretty bad. They were up 40 points at one point, I'm pretty sure, in the first half. I mean, Michigan is definitely a team that's making a name for themselves, and they're going to have some couple, some tough competition coming up soon. What do you guys have in them, PT? Or do you think they're going to? Or do you think they're running into a, potentially a top spot in the Big Ten? Do you think they can compete with Iowa? They, uh, I, I think they can. Um, I believe they were down though, pretty big to Minnesota. So they are playing currently. Let me let me find that. But yeah, um, I think they definitely proved themselves against Wisconsin. They ran them out of the gym. They made embarrassed the living shit out of them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think they could definitely hold a, a top spot. Um, in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten, we've seen it already. It's going to be constantly changing. There's going to be teams, like, like I've always said, Nebraska's really the only team in the Big Ten that's not going to be really kind of changing things up. Um, They're down at 20 right now with three and a half minutes. 20. So anything can happen in the Big Ten, I'm telling you guys. I'm, and, and I'll get into this, too, when we talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so outside of Michigan, let's get into Texas Tech. They're a team that's usually a decent basketball school, and Matt McClung is an absolute hooper, and he buries a triple in the face of a defender for Texas and knocks knocks Texas off, who was number four at the time. Um, I think they slipped a little bit. I think Texas Tech is also playing to Baylor today, too. So that's another huge back – I mean, it's back-to-back matchups in uh, – for them, that that's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Matt McClung is a lot of fun to watch, and that game was awesome to see. Uh, Kansas also is upset by Oklahoma State. I mean, guys, outside of the top three of the 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 top twenty five, it's a free for all. Every team, no team can really hunker down. Zaga, Baylor, and Nova have it locked up, and Villanova has been a COVID issue for the past couple of weeks. They've they've had to postpone games. So, I mean, it's it, this makes it more fun though. I mean, you don't have a deadlock as to like who can win the title. You really don't because so much is happening right now that I like said, outside of the top three, you have no idea what's going to go, what's going to happen. And it's just a lot of fun to watch. I love seeing games like Oklahoma state upsetting Kansas or Texas tax burying uh, a triple to beat Texas, or even as much as I hate to say it, it's fun to watch those games where the Illini are in a absolute battle to the end and they fall short. So let's kind of go into that. Illini has suffered back to back losses. Uh, Maryland and Ohio State, PT, you kind of want, want to run through those? Yeah, um, I think it, it, it kind of boils down to one simple thing. Um, I don't think Brad Underwood has been coaching very well at all this year. Um, this hasn't prepared the kids enough, I don't think. Um, and it's you can tell. They are, every game that came out and played this year, they've started slow. They're down by 15-plus to Northwestern. Um, I think almost the last three games, especially Northwestern, um, Maryland, and Ohio State, they've been down a half. In this conference, you can't do that. You got to be, you got to play the full forty minutes um, to be able to win the Big Ten. And Kofi, it's kind of all kind of been on Kofi. He's kind of started off slow. Um, his hands are literally he literally breaks for hands like he can't catch a damn ball. Um, Trent Frazier is supposed to be a He's supposed to be a shooter, can't make a damn three. Um, Adam Miller is kind of cooled down a little bit. That's expected. A freshman is coming into the Big Ten is hard, and then coming into this year as a freshman is hard. Um, DeMonte Williams is cooled off a little bit. So we're just kind of, I mean, we're in the midst of it right now. We're going through it. Um, it's a long season still. Uh, just got to make the tournament. That's all that matters. 
Uh, so just kind of get that team morale up, and I think they'll be just okay. Yeah, I agree. I think you guys will be okay. Once the tournament rolls around, it will be everything will be okay. But I will say this. The Big Ten tournament is going to be electric to watch this year. It's going to be a shit ton of fun. Uh, so I think that kind of wraps it up. Brandon, you got anything else? No, I'm all good. All right, boys. Another good episode of Jam Pack Stuff. Uh, again, post-game uh, recaps will be coming out tomorrow for the Blackhawks and Bulls games. The Blackhawks pay, uh, play the Panthers, correct? Correct. And the Bulls play? Uh, they play uh, the Mavericks, actually. The Mavericks, who we are 1-0 against this year already. Yep. So let's keep that streak alive. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram. Uh, make sure you get all of our socials. Check us out on Pod- Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the good stuff. TikTok, too. We're Tick- on TikTok. We're on TikTok oh, yeah. now, too. So we'll be uh, posting dancing videos, uh, possibly shirtless. We don't know yet. Uh, so <laughs> thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode. Jackson Bank looks up, you can put it on the board, yeah! Taves center for Kane, he scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Taves! The dynamic duo comes through in overtime! Hawk wins! Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away! Fifteen to the twenty, breaks free to the twenty-five to the thirty to the outside. Forty makes.